Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to Good News here on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Deacon Al of the Peoria Diocese, and happy to have you with us uh, tonight, as well as tomorrow evening when we will uh, replay this program. And we invite you to join us every weekend. And our goal of Good News is to look at the gospel, look at the good news of Jesus Christ as as it's unfolded for us in the readings of the Holy Mass each weekend, we're coming into our 17th week, 17th Sunday of Ordinary Time. We'll be in Ordinary Time now until uh, the end of November when Advent will begin and we start drawing closer to Christmas. And already Christmas decorations are starting to pop up in the stores. I just, I find that so amusing. Uh, we haven't even hit uh, the Halloween uh, decorations yet, and already we're, we're seeing Christmas decorations in some places. So uh, so welcome to Good News. Uh, you can join us either here on the show, you can listen to our podcasts uh, that are on the website, you can listen in your car, you can listen on your phone, you can listen on your Alexa device at home. So there's all kinds of ways to tune in to Catholic Spirit Radio, and we hope you will do that. Uh, we've got some exciting things coming up here at the radio station. Our tower that you heard about uh, during our carathon, during our fundraising when we were raising money to open a tower in Rockford, uh, Illinois, uh, the tower has arrived from Rome and is ready to be installed on our tower out in Rockford. Pretty soon we will be adding a million households. Is that right, John? Near, nearing a million households? A total of a million. Total of a, million. a total of a million households that we'll be reaching uh, with our, our series of, of stations. And so we hope that if you are listening, you will tell friends and neighbors about Catholic Spirit Radio. And if you have family out in Rockford, let them know that Catholic Spirit Radio is coming very, very soon. We're, we're just waiting for some intrepid soul to climb that tower and, and, and hook that antenna up. No small feat. But uh, we are so excited about uh, continuing to uh, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through our ministries here at the radio station. So as I say, 17th Sunday coming up, and the readings, a lot of the readings talk about wisdom. And I think that's an, an important thing to talk about in, in our time. And it kind of ties in with the weather. How is that possible? Well, I'll tell you. So most of you know, this has been very, very hot this last week. Very, very hot here in central Illinois. And it's, it's hot a lot of places. Uh, my son lives in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, where uh, they hit... 116 degrees the other day. His swimming pool, which is unheated, was 98 degrees in the evening. 98 degrees with an, in an unheated pool. Uh, no cover to absorb solar energy, just the pool just laying out there. And uh, he said it was so hot, you could uh, dip in to try and get wet, and then you'd cooled off after you got out. As, as the water dried off of you, because the pool was like it was like a sauna, so uh, you think, my gosh, things are getting bad. 116 degrees. It's that darn global warming. Well, interestingly enough, I said, "Is that a record?" Oh no, 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 no. So, what do you suppose the the 
highest recorded temperature in Las Vegas has been? 118. Two degrees warmer. 118. That's, that's bake a chicken on the porch kind of temperature, you know? And you think, wow, wow. So that was like last year? No, year before. Because it's obviously, you know, Las Vegas has grown hugely, right? So it's all the car exhaust. It's people have changed this, this environment. Nope. It's record year. It's last record year because it had been 118 many times. The last time it was 118 was in 1931. <laughs> now we're talking almost 100 years ago. Very nearly 100 years ago. And in the last 100 years, it's gotten cooler. Middle of the desert. A town that has grown multiple times over what it was. I mean, originally it was like 13 people, right? Yeah. A, a few crazy prospectors. And it really didn't have any kind of a population boom until the 1930s when the Hoover Dam was built. Right. And they just happened to pick a very hot summer to build the Hoover Dam, but it had been that hot previously. 31 was just the last time it was that hot. So you can't really say, well, global warming's causing the deserts to cool. There's no real evidence of that when they're at 116 degrees. And they've been up and down year after year, up and down. And they've been hotter before, 100 years <laughs> before, and even way before that. And it's not just Las Vegas. Is the climate changing? Yeah, probably. I mean, nobody ever promised us the climate was going to stay the way it always is. I mean, there was a time, you know, us here in central Illinois, we were bottom of the Great Lakes before they receded. Uh, so, yeah, climate changes. Absolutely. Uh, there used to be an ice age. In fact, Newsweek, I remember in high school, uh, Newsweek when I was in high school in the late 60s, early 70s, um, there was a guy named, a senator named Al Gore. Al Gore did a, did a column in Newsweek explaining that the uh, second ice age was coming. And by the year 2000, the agricultural uh, industry in the breadbasket of the United States, Illinois, Nebraska, Iowa, would be devastated. Devastated. Now, if you look at the abundance of corn that we produce today, as opposed to what we were producing in the late 60s, early 70s, oh my gosh, not even close. We have so far uh, surpassed production. And yet they were so sure, second ice age. And now they're saying, oh, heat wave, we're going to be destroyed by heat. Everything's rising. I bring this up because we need to gain more wisdom. We're just as people, we're broken. There's, there's, there's something called ignorance. Now, don't, don't take this as an insult. I'm not saying people are stupid. I'm saying they're ignorant. We're all ignorant in certain situations. Ignorance just means a lack of knowledge. Uh, it, it doesn't mean you're damaged in any way. It just means you have a lack of knowledge. And we all have areas where we have a lack of knowledge. The church talks about three types of, of ignorance. Uh, one is vincible ignorance. And that's, that's what most of us are guilty of. That's, that's an ignorance of facts that could be easily obtained, but we choose not to obtain them. Our ignorance is vincible. It can be broken. All we have to do is look up the information and, and we could overcome that lack of knowledge. 
Then there's invincible ignorance. Invincible ignorance is knowledge that lack of knowledge that can't be overcome or at this point has not been overcome. So you can't know what you can't know, right? I mean, that makes sense. A good example is what's God made of? We don't know. We know God exists. What's he made of? What's the stuff of God? We we really don't know. I mean, because you can't measure it. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You know, you can't you can't experiment on God. So we can't say that he's made of these elements or this energy or this goo. We can't. So you can't know what you can't know. So we're all ignorant about that. We call that a mystery. When we talk about mysteries at the church, it's simply things that haven't been revealed to us yet, things that we're ignorant in. Well, the other type of ignorance is, is an ignorance of things that you don't need to know. I have no idea what the drag-to-lift ratio is to get a 747 off the ground. Don't know. Don't need to know. I don't fly them. Ride in them on occasion, but don't fly them. So that's not something I need to know. Now, if I were a pilot and I needed to know that and I didn't, that would be vincible ignorance. That would be that would be a lack of knowledge that I should know that I could find out if I needed, but chose not to. I see a lot of that in today's world in, in things like what we're seeing in the, in the world of sexuality, gender identification. I think a lot of this is, is really vincible ignorance. If people really looked into this, looked at the information, you would see the flaws in this secular, um, the secular politics of sexualizing children, of gender identification, uh, that we're doing really horrific cruel things to very young children who are not in a mature enough formation of their conscience, of their, of their intellect to be able to make these decisions. And we're making horrific decisions for them. And I'm sorry to say that uh, some of these decisions you'll see in the news today, some of these decisions are even being upheld by pastors, not by bishops, and certainly not by the Pope who's come out against all this, but by pastors, which just completely amazes me. And I think they'll see, I think they're going to see pushback from the from their bishops on this. I certainly hope so. Uh, because they're not following the doctrines of, of the church or the teachings of Christ. But again, for, for, for us as, as clergy and as lay people, Let's not be ignorant about these topics. Let's look into them. Let's not say, hey, the temperature is going up in the desert. It must, must be global warming. No, you know what? It could be just that it's summer in the desert. <laughs> Some things you just have to accept for what they are. You know, it's going to be hot. Well, we've had, we had horrible cold temperatures in the winter. Well, it's winter. There really, there really is no evidence that this is being caused by man. There really is none. Yeah, climate could very well be changing. It doesn't mean we can control it, and it doesn't mean we caused it. It's a big, big world, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of variables, and we don't know everything. People say, oh, we, you know, scientists have discovered everything there is to know. No, they haven't. Science doesn't even say that they have. 
Do you know there are things about water that science still can't explain? Water is, I looked some of these up because it really intrigued me that water is a mystery. Here it is, the most common liquid on earth. And there are still many mysteries about water that science has not been able to explain. And one of them is that water is, is, is at its densest at four degrees Celsius. It's about 37 and a half degrees Fahrenheit, 37.4, I think, Fahrenheit. Water is at its densest. Any warmer, and it loses density. Any colder, and it loses density. Now, how, about, how does that happen? Well, we're not really sure. But yet we don't say, since science can't prove this, there must not be water. But yet we're able to say, if science can't prove God, there must not be a God. This is, this is vincible ignorance. I think we, we all need to take a little more time to investigate things before we form opinions. And, that, and that's especially true in today's uh, social world, in today's political world. Before you start deciding who's right, who's wrong about things, take some time to look up some information. And you might be surprised about what the truth is. And, it, and the truth is important. Scripture tells us the truth will set you free. So before you connect yourself to a specific political uh, ideology or social ideology, take some time and do some research. Don't be told what's, what the truth is. Find out what the truth is. Make that determination for yourself. You and I may not always agree on something, but if we both do our homework, we should at least be able to talk about it sanely, intelligently, civilly, because we both come with, with facts. And maybe you have some facts that I don't have. Maybe I have some facts you don't have. So let's make this, these discussions an exchange of facts rather than an attack of personalities. And that's what, that's what our society has become. We no longer debate the facts. We, we discuss personalities, and we defame each other in trying to get our way rather than in pursuit of the truth. So that's my little homily to start things off with tonight, is let's, uh, let's take a, a, a lesson from the scriptures today as we get into Kings and, and Romans and, and Matthew afterwards, and let's, let's try and be a little smarter about who we are and what we believe, and what we support in this world. Deacon Al on Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio. We'll be back after these messages. Stay tuned. Good News will be right back on Catholic Spirit Radio. July is the month for Catholic Spirit Radio's Matching Monday. I'm this year's Matching Monday donor, Patricia, and I'm going to double up to $6,000 every donation made on the Mondays in July. I challenge you to donate big, so I have to write that matching big check. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or mail your check on any Monday in July to 108 Boykin's Place in Normal. Welcome back to Good News. This is Deacon Al. Thank you for listening, and and if you'd like to be a part of the program, there's a way for you to do that. If you have a question about Catholicism, about Christianity, uh, it could be something you agree with, something you di- disagree with, something you want more information on, just give, write me a, a message, send it to my email at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com, and we would be happy to answer your question 
on air. Uh, don't have any questions at the moment this week. We answered some last week and uh, hopefully have some more in, in the days to come. Uh, but if you've got a question, the email address is goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com, and we hope to hear from you. So our readings this week, 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. First reading is from the Book of Kings. Second reading is uh, Paul to the Romans. And then the third uh, is the Gospel uh, from Matthew. So let's jump right into Kings. Um, I love this reading. I found, I, I discovered this reading first really meant something to me when I was in high school. And I heard it, and I, I tried to put this into play, and it helped me quite a bit in, in a number of ways. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. God said, Ask something of me, and I will give it to you. Solomon answered, O Lord my God, you have made me your servant king to succeed my father David. But I'm a mere youth, not knowing at all how to act. I serve you in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a people so vast that it cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding heart to judge your people and to distinguish right from wrong. For who is able to govern this vast people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon made this request. So God said to him, Because you have asked for this, not for a long life for yourself, not for riches, nor for the life of your enemies, but for understanding, so that you may know what is right, I do as you requested. I give you a heart so wise and understanding that there was there has never been anyone like you up to now, and after you there will come no one equal to you. The word of the Lord. So this did a few things for me. One, it taught me how to pray right. Um, scripture says that most of us pray badly, and, and I think that's really true. I think we, we often pray for what we want, not for what we need. And we pray for what we want and for what not for what God wants of us or wants for us. And so I, re, I recall as a teenager— really being caught up in this reading and and realizing that rather than ask for what would please me or what would make my life easier is to pray for how can I better be a reflection of God's love to others? How can I better know right from wrong? Uh, high school is not an easy time. It wasn't an easy time in the 70s when I was in high school. It's not an easy time now. Uh, my, my heart goes out to teenagers. Uh, the things you have to deal with, uh, the various peer pressures, uh, the various societal pressures, um, so much more intense than anything uh, your parents or your grandparents uh, went through in in the past. I mean, we had things that were specific to our time. Uh, we had wars, just as there are wars, you know, come and go. Uh, drugs were just starting to appear in, in our high school when when uh, when I was that age. Alcohol certainly was still very popular as it was in the generation before us. And, and being able to not only discern right or, right or wrong, but discern who your real friends are, who wants what's best for you, and who wants to simply pull you down into their own misery, uh, that's not always super clear. And it, it takes some special wisdom to make that kind of discernment. And so... In high school, my prayer life changed, 
And I started to pray less for what I wanted and more for what God wanted of me. And I have to tell you, my life changed. Uh, people I know who have followed this advice of this reading, their lives have changed. Uh, I know John sitting across from me. I know that's a big part of his spiritual life, isn't praying for what he wants, but praying for an understanding of what God wants and how God wants to use him. And and I see that in a, in a lot of the folks here at Catholic Spirit Radio. I see that same attitude among a lot of clergy, and I see it among the most active of the laity of, of our parishes, uh, the folks who I deal with on, on almost a daily basis at, at the parishes I serve. Are, are people who who tend to always put others first and don't don't rapidly make decisions. They take time to discern not only right from wrong, but is this really where God is sending me? Is this what God is calling me to? And it has a profound effect on their life. And I don't think you have to wait to be an adult to discover this. I discovered as a teenager, I think most teenagers are, are capable of doing this. Uh, rather than, than uh, you know, in, in athletics, and I love athletics, I really do. I was never terrific at them. There were a couple sports I was, I was fairly competent in, but team sports was, was not my, my ball of wax. Um, and it always kind of annoyed me when I would hear people pray that their team would win because the other team's praying for the same thing. And it's not like God's making book on the game. You know, it's not like God takes sides in an athletic con uh, contest and says, I'm going to let this side play well and that side play poorly. I, I really don't think that's on his list of priorities. Um, so rather than pray to win, pray that you play with dignity. Pray that you play with strength and with courage, and with fairness. Pray to be a good athlete, to, to run the good race, to fight the good fight. I mean, Scripture even, even supports that. But Scripture doesn't pray for you to, to be the better of, of the other team. It prays for you to do God's will, and for God to protect you in, in the race, or protect you in the battle. So I think that's that's something that could be done even you know at, at the grade school, high school, college level, is before you go into that athletic combat, rather than uh, pray for victory over your opponent, who could very possibly a very nice people, you know, very God-fearing people, uh, and, and let's not put God on the side of, of picking one over the other, unless it's a Cub Cardinal game, because we all know God's a Cub fan. So yeah, yeah, John's not sure that I'm. I'm positive. I am absolutely positive. Uh, God always supports the downtrodden. So, <laughs> so that definitely makes him, puts him in in the uh, in the bleacher bum seats. So uh, yeah, pray to play fairly and with dignity and with strength and with courage. Uh, that's the proper way uh, to pray, uh, and, the, and the same thing as in a, in an adult life. Uh, don't pray that someone at work fail so that you can appear better. Uh, pray that you do your best. Pray for wisdom in, in your job. Pray for wisdom as a parent that you, uh, that you deal fairly at, with your children and, and with dignity, and you teach them right from wrong. Pray, pray to be a good shepherd uh, in, in your family. 
So there's a lot to be said about this first reading and wisdom. In, in Paul's letter to the Romans, he says, Brothers and sisters, we know that all things work for good and for those who love God. For those who, the, who he foreknew, he, he also predestined uh, to be confirmed in the image of his, conformed in the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. And I want to pick out one particular word out of this reading that's often misunderstood, and that's the word firstborn. We're not saying that there were others born to God after Jesus or born to Mary after Jesus. It's not what firstborn means. Firstborn is a legal term in the uh, life of an Israelite, of a Hebrew. Firstborn meant the, the child who gained the majority of the inheritance of the, of the father— and all of the Father's authority. Now, when you realize that's a legal term, and now you think of Christ in those terms, as Christ is the, is the only child of God to inherit God's full authority. So this is, this is one of the ways that Scripture, not, not in an explicit way, but in an implicit way, explains that Jesus and God are one. They share the same authority. And who else can have God's authority except for God himself? Uh, and so this is, this is a way of, of Jesus explaining uh, his, his oneness with, with the Father, as he explains so often, especially uh, in, the, in the Gospel of John. In our, in our Gospel from Matthew uh, this weekend, Jesus said to his disciples, and this is a continuation really of the last two weeks out of Matthew, when Jesus is telling a series of parables uh, to the people, and also explaining them to his disciples. So Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, searching for fine pearls. And when he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea that collects fish of every kind. And when it's full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets and what is bad they throw away. And he tells the same story last week, the same ending. Thus it will be at the end of the age, the angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do, not, uh, do you understand all these things? And they answered, yes. And he replied, Then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old, the gospel of the Lord. So what we're finding out here is a number of things that when you discover God, when you realize the kingdom of heaven and the path that Jesus has established for us to achieve that salvation, everything else becomes secondary in our lives. We should be willing to forfeit everything else if it means our ability to follow what Christ teaches us. And that takes wisdom. And that's why our primary prayer should be, as Solomon's was, for wisdom. Will we ever be as smart as Solomon? Scripture says no, but it means we can be smart enough to understand the Scriptures. We can be smart enough to understand that Christ is really is the way and the truth and the life. And the only way you'll discover the truth, as we explained before, is through study. 
study the facts, study the facts of Scripture, study the facts of, of our current political situations, the facts of our current social situations. Know the facts, and it will change you, and it will make you a stronger, better person regardless of your age. But Jesus wants you to know the truth, and he wants you to be that that part of the of the harvest that's that's bundled up and put into his storehouse. He wants you to be one of the good fish that are caught and kept and not thrown back. Uh, he doesn't want us to suffer uh, in, in in the in the throes of hell, the, the fiery furnace that he explains, uh, which is really the pain and torment of our separation from God. And that's what we're talking about. That's what we suffer from, is we choose. Some choose to be separated from God's love. And it's that final realization that we can never be reunited because we chose that separation. That's what causes us such great torment and and trial. So be smart. Search for Christ. Search for the truth of the faith. And I believe you can find that by digging deeper into Scripture and digging deeper into the catechism of the Catholic Church. Some things to think about until next week. May Almighty God bless you, protect you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life. Good night. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.